welcome everyone to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again as always is our NHL analyst and expert, the Grumpy Old Man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. What are you doing, Grumpy? Nothing. I'm just parroting what you say. You say the same thing every time, so I figured I can kind of say it along with you. And since I'm so much better looking than you, it just looks better coming out of my mouth. Ah, so that's what it is, Grumpy. Okay. Now, I figured there was an odd reason as to why you were mouthing everything I was doing. What can I tell you? Well, Grumpy, I mean, there's there's Islanders news. Uh, oh, sorry. I've got a little hand up to stop, Grumpy. What is it? Do you have to do an advertisement right off the top? Uh, yes, I do, Grump. But I, I usually like to go ahead and give a little uh, introspective as to what's going on to, you know, to set up and to preface the podcast, Grump. The Islanders are now on an eight-game point streak, grumpy old man. I want initial reactions. Happiness. One word reaction, happiness. Happy. <laughs> Glad. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know, grumpy old man. Well, I'll go ahead and dive right in there to the ad. I was expecting a little more from you, grumpy. You usually give us a little bit of a monologue at that time period, but that's okay. No, um, we're we're going to get into it. I just I know if I start – rambling a little bit much you might forget about it and then you blame me later after the podcast is over how you know i uh i talk too much or i distract your thoughts with intelligence some things you can't handle so i just figured you know what do what you i'm gonna let you take the business part of the program take care of that so i can do what i do best Oh, okay, Grumpy, sure. All righty, today's podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. Uh, you've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways uh, to put you in the front seat of all the action. Uh, making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night, and it's as simple to do. Uh, draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more when the DraftKings lineup is on. Uh, DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on all the action. Now, all you have to do to play is download the DraftKings app and sign up using THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. Uh, that's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Grumpy old man. That was impressive. You didn't bungle it like you usually do. Stumbling and bumbling and rumbling and bumbling all over the words. You were a little bit better today. So I'm going <laughs> to give you kudos. Matter of fact, you remind me a little bit of Josh Bailey. He had a good game two games ago. You know, one of only a few. So I kind of consider you like Josh Bailey. Oh, gosh. Well, you know what, Grumpy? If you consider me Josh ba- – you know what? There's a lot worse you can, can be paired to than Josh Bailey. That's all I'm going to say. And, again, I know he hasn't had a great season so far this year. But I'll tell you one thing, Grumpy. Not a bad time for him to start establishing a little momentum and getting hot. I mean, he made – if you look back, I think it was two nights ago uh, – some really good passes there to set up goals uh, by Anders Lee. And was it Oliver Wallstrom was the other one, Grumpy? No, it was J.G. Pajot, I believe. Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Oh, speaking of J.G. Pajot, Grump, my oh my. And again, I, I you know, I'll go back to it. When we originally traded for Jean-Gabriel Pajot, I thought we gave up too much for the guy. And again, I, I will admit that, you know, again, I'm wrong. 
I'm wrong with that take. I, I'll be honest with you, Grumpy. You know, he is on a hot streak right now. And man, oh man, did he have two excellent snipes here over the last two nights. Well, I still think they gave up too much for him. Uh, but I was I was for that trade all the way. I mean, anytime you give up a first and a second round draft pick for a third line center, it's it's too much. Uh, but that said, you know, I love J.G. Pajot and I was real high on him. I, I always liked him in Ottawa and I'm ex- I'm glad he's with the Islanders. He's without a doubt. Uh, if there were fans in the stands, he'd be a fan favorite for certain. And he's certainly one of my favorite players on the team right now. Mm. Grumpy old man. Well, I guess I want to go ahead and dive in a little bit, Grump. I do. I want to dive in. The Islanders are on eight-game point streak. And again, every single time we see the highs and lows of the season, I try to take it with a grain of salt. Right now, the team's on an eight-game point streak. Fans are going to be elated, as they should be, right? We're winning games. We're collecting points. It's great. I think it's also good. We kind of lever ourselves out a little bit, grumpy old man. Um, You know, we took care of Buffalo. And we did. We had to. The team was decimated the first night with injuries. We played them or not with injuries, with COVID players, players that were on the COVID list. So they're missing four of their top six defensemen. It was the first time back playing in 15 games. I'll tell you one thing. I was I wasn't impressed, but I'm happy we took care of business and we were absolutely dominant in the third period of game one. And I'll tell you one thing. We played lockdown in game two as well. I thought we took care of business, grumpy old man, which is all you can ask for. Yeah, I thought. You know, since Buffalo hadn't played in 15 game, 15 days, uh, I expected what I – and here's the thing. I don't want to minimize what the Islanders did in the third period because they were really, really good. Uh, their structure was fantastic. You know, anytime that you hold the team without a shot, that's pretty darn good. But uh, Buffalo certainly didn't have their legs in the third period of that first game, which is to be expected after not playing for 15 straight days. So I'm not saying that I'm – not surprised, but I'm not surprised if you know what I mean. I didn't. I didn't expect them to have the wheels in the third period since first came back. Now yesterday, uh, they took it to us in the third period, so you can tell they're trying to get ramped up a little bit. And I expect them to be better. Unfortunately for Buffalo, uh, when you miss 15 straight days in this already condensed season, uh, I feel I have no shot at the playoffs. They're going to play a whole a boatload of back to backs to make up all those extra games. So bye-bye, Buffalo. Yeah, grumpy old man. You know, something I was also kind of shocked with about Buffalo, and again, I don't watch a lot of Buffalo Sabre games. The only time I watch them is when they play the New York Islanders. I had no idea that Jeff Skinner was struggling as mightily as he has been as of recent. Well, the thing that that I didn't realize was how darn good their their power play is. Um, Man, oh, man, they pass that puck around. I mean, you see Olofsson on his one-timers. they know how to get they know how to get the puck to their guy fast and he's just he's just trigger man and it really helps them i mean they had uh in the first in the first game they had uh they had like a like a full minute and 10 minute 15 seconds in the Islanders zone before they scored and i mean they were fantastic i wish our power play was that even though we have been producing a little bit on the power play uh you could just tell that we're not our unit doesn't look as good as some other teams. Most certainly, grumpy old man. I'll tell you one thing. We have been turning the power play ship around, which is always nice. It's comforting to see. And Jeff Skinner on the Well, I don't know much about how – I actually – I realize Jeff Skinner is struggling now. But, uh, I mean, 
you got to understand, I think the whole team is mostly struggling. Uh, I mean, anytime you miss 15 straight days, I just think everyone's going to struggle. So, I mean, I think they've only played like nine or 10 games. We do expect them to come back a little bit, but I'm not expecting too much from them. I mean, but, you know, I just, everyone knows on this podcast that I like to shred Josh Bailey and deservedly so for the most part. But he had a, a, a really – I thought he had a, one of his better games, certainly one of his better games of the year, uh, going off on the first of the two back-to-back games with Buffalo. He had a couple of primary assists, um, and I thought they were actually really, really nice passes, highly unusual for him. But then yesterday we go back to being the Josh Bailey of old, the king – oh, yes, he had an assist, uh, the king of the secondary assist. He is deep in his zone. He gets the puck up to Dobson who uh, takes it from center ice all the way up and makes a fantastic pass to average Anders Lee. And that was actually not one of averages, uh, you know, just little deflection goals. He actually had a nice shot and, you know, TJ disagrees with me. He thought that, you know, it was just a deflection goal. I'm like, Oh no, come on. That was a nice, I mean, everyone knows I rip on average, but that was a really nice goal by him uh, and a fantastic pass by Dobson uh, who was, you know, daily, it seems like, jumping up over uh, other teams, uh, other guys on defense core. I mean, I just think he's been fantastic. And then Anders, of course, scores one of his usual empty net goals, which he's really, really good on. Uh, thank you for coming back, TJ. I'm uh, back, Grumpy. Well, Grumpy, you know I'm located in the central part of the United States, Grumpy old man. So I was really <laughs> I was really worried that we were about to have power outage or something like that because – the infrastructure here is not necessarily uh, built to go ahead and, I guess, uh, withstand any type of the cold weather that we have been receiving as of late, grumpy old man. Well, let me just tell you what you missed. I complimented Josh Bailey for his play in the first game. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You're trying to tell me that I missed. I went in and out when you're complimenting Josh Bailey? This can't be true. This can't be true. Is it real, grumpy? Yeah, and then I, then I, uh, in the second game, he became what he always is—the king of the secondary assists. Oh, stop! Which he, where he got the point on Noah Dobson's beautiful assist to average Anders Lee, um, and like I mentioned, everybody, you thought it was just a tip in. Well, I thought it was a really nice shot by him. I will go back, Grumpy. I did watch it again. I remember I originally told you, I'm like, I wonder if that was a tip in. It kind of happened kind of quick. No, it was a good job by Anders Lee. I don't want to sell him short. That was a good play. And Grump, that makes me ask you the question. Anders Lee gets upgraded, right? He's captain average now, right, Grumpy? Nope. Yeah. No, Grump, come on now. you got to give him some credit. Okay, you know what? He's not talented enough to be captain average. I mean, otherwise he produced like that every night, but he doesn't. And now, of course, I went back. He does what he does best, even though why he's out there and when, uh, you know, in like the dying minutes of a game and uh, where, where uh, the other team pulls a goalie for some reason – Trotz continues to roll those same garbage players out there so we can risk giving up a goal. And he gets one of his patented empty net goals to pad his stats. And I think he actually missed a couple uh, chances in that sequence. Grump, I'm not going to go as far as saying they're garbage players that are out there in the last, you know, the last dying minutes. I will tell you one thing. It seems like Anders Lee was out there for a good chunk of that time period. Um, And again, grumpy old man. Uh, Anders Lee has performed this year much better than he did last season, Grumpy. So you're not going to catch any complaints from me. I know that you, on the other hand, complain about just about everything, Grumpy old man. That's just part of your character. Um, I will tell you one thing, though, Grumpy. Man, oh, man. I know it's hard to talk about earlier. Uh, 
and then we talked. I want to backtrack a little bit. Jean Gabriel Pajot, fire. He is absolutely on fire right now. And like I'm watching these snipes, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, that's the shot of a true sniper. And think about the depth we have regarding our centers, where he's our third line center. And I will tell you one thing, speaking about the third line, I'm not a fan of continually rolling out Michael Del Cole on the second line. That being said, I like a third line of Anthony Bavillier, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, and Oliver Wallstrom. I think that is a good line. Yeah, I think they're the second best line on the team. Uh, the first line has taken a step back ever since Josh Bailey has been put on it. What a shock. Um, the third line has Nelson, and he just he just looks bad. I'm sorry. He looks he looks really bad out there, and Trotz just keeps on rolling him out. He looks slow. I'm going to say again, is he injured? Does he have some type of lower body injury? Because, I mean, his skating is really lacking right now. Uh, that's a concern going forward. I mean, he's, like I said, he has resorted back to the timid uh, little center that he was under previous regimes this season. Hmm. Grumpy, man, I've got a few comments I want to start getting to. Brandy Gaines said, uh, Grumpy's got a point regarding the appearance, Grumpy Old Man, off the start. Oh, gosh, Grumpy Old Man. Jason Schwartz saying, hey, told you Bailey was heating up. Uh, you know, that's all relative, right? He was so putrid at the beginning of the season. All he can go is up. Again, he does have four points. He has four assists here in the last two days. I, I thought uh, the best performance he had so far this season was the first time we played the Buffalo Sabres. It was. You know, I find it interesting. The only teams he really does well at against are the really bad teams. Come on, Grump. He's, like I said, he's uh, Claude Rains, a.k.a. the Invisible Man, when we go up against uh, teams that are really good. I mean, we've seen that. I'm just going to go ahead and comment in on that. How do you explain him leading the team in points? Was he leading the team in points in the playoffs? Last year, he was either leading the teams or leading the team or second in the team in points off the playoffs last year, Grumpy. So, you know, he I'm going to rebut did. that statement. He did have a lot of secondary assists. Stop. That's what he's good at. He's good at getting the puck to somebody else who does all the work. And he's just, oh, wait a minute. That guy scored. Oh, Barzell, what he skated around the zone, dipsy doodle four guys, laid off something to average, who uh, managed to poke it in after three or four tries. Oh, but three minutes ago, Bailey passed it to Barzell, so we make sure that we give him an assist. Most, probably most of those assists, he's not even on the ice. He oh, just makes the pass and gets off. Oh, grumpy old man. I'll tell you, my God, the undying positions you take sometimes, grumpy. All right, he's just not that good. I'm sorry, he's not that good. I, I, have, I don't want to hear from fans saying how, oh, Josh Bailey, this, Josh. Okay, if Josh Bailey was all that, he'd play like that on a consistent basis. He doesn't. He just doesn't have the talent to be consistently good. Sorry. Again, I've t- I'll take my stance and I'll say it again, Grumpy. I think Josh Bailey is, you know, he's a Swiss Army knife, just as, ba- as Barry Trotz has said there in the past. He was having a pedestrian start to the season at best, Grumpy old man. And I think he's starting to hopefully turn things around. Given I'm trying to take it with a grain of salt, right? Just as you mentioned, the Buffalo Sabres. In all games, we're missing two of their top six defensemen in both games. And in the first game, they're missing four of their top six defensemen. You had two guys getting their NHL debuts in one night, and it's the first time playing in 15 days. So, again, I'm trying to take everything with a grain of salt, as all fans should, grumpy old man. Um, why are you wearing a Duke basketball sweatshirt? Because it's cold. <laughs> because it was cold, so I put on a shirt, a sweatshirt, and actually I kind of like it. I think it looks pretty cool. Uh 
Duke struggling in college basketball this year, really struggling. And it makes the guy as Coach K lost it. Uh, he's in his 70s now. Gets everybody. I mean, just look at Lou Lamarillo. <laughs> I should have known that was coming. I should have known you were going to try to work a Lou Lamarillo stab and jab in there, Grump. I'm going to tell you what. His wife won't even let him handle the checkbook at home, but we let him handle the salary cap implications of our team. Speaking about how age gets everybody, Grump, when is age going to get you, Grumpy old man? I don't know. Probably <laughs> another 30, 40, 50 years from now. <laughs> oh, Grumpy old man. Uh, Brian J says, Wallstrom looks like he wants to be here. I'll tell you one thing. I've been impressed with Wallstrom. I think he's he's shown that he's uh, taken that steadfast approach to come back and play a little bit more of a two-way game, at least in the rep that he was given. I mean, he, he had that rep that he was not willing to come back and play the you know the two hundred foot game, Grumpy, and I haven't, I haven't really seen that yet out of him. I saw it a little bit yesterday, and it could have been because he's out there with Bavillier and Pajot that he just seemed like he was floating a little bit. Not every shift, but on a couple of shifts, I'm like, oh, he's not coming back, but he has been. But of course, when you're playing out there with Leo Komarov, uh, anything you do is going to look like an improvement. And that's the one thing I'm extremely happy about, that with Pavillier coming back, it wasn't Wallstrom who got sat. It was Leo Komarov, you know, Kami. That, okay. that Ruski. I was, I was about to tell you, there's no Putin's way that – Putin's pal. Stop, Grumpy. There's no way that Leo Komarov should not have been sat. I don't care how well he played uh, in the prior time period. And, and, you know, he did have a good game there the last time he was on the ice. Still – uh, Anthony Bavillier should be playing over Leo Komarov. I'm sorry. Um, we got a comment here from Frank K saying, call JG Pajot 877 cash now. I like it. I like the reference there. The guy is money. I'll tell you, it, when when we have players who start to heat up and are, are streak, we do have streaky scorers on this team. When they all start to fire on, on, you know, on the same cylinder, it's good. Again, we need to take everything with a grain of salt. We played We played the Buffalo Sabres, who were coming off a 15-game hiatus and who were missing significant pieces there on their defensive core. So it's just worth taking everything with a grain of salt, though. I like how Frank incorporated uh, the old J.G. Wentworth commercial. 877-CASH-NOW. Uh, 877-CASH-NOW. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I remember the original one they had. Um, I need a structured settlement, and I need cash now. That's how it goes, Grumpy. But they used to have the opera opera singers doing it. Which yeah. I thought was really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I like those commercials. Anytime that you can remember and sing it, it's doing its job. Yeah, most certainly it is, Grumpy Old Man. A comment here from Scott L saying, uh, do you think they need to put Bailey and Nelson on waivers, then put them back into the lineup because it seems to light a fire under Uncle Leo? Uh, I will tell you one thing. If you were to put Brock Nelson or Josh Bailey on waivers, I think they'd get claimed immediately. So, no, you don't want to put it. Even though, yeah, it did go ahead and work for lighting a fire into Leo Komarov's ass, that's not something you want to do with Josh Bailey and Brock Nelson, in my opinion, Grump. I think what they need to do with both of those players is uh, give them a blindfold and a cigarette and just line them up against the wall and shoot them down. Stop, Grumpy. Don't need them here no more. <laughs> I don't even know where that came from, Grumpy Old Man. My God. I was thinking about the movie The In Laws, the original, not the, the cheesy remake that they made with uh, uh, was uh, Alan Arkin and Peter Falk. And for anyone who doesn't know that movie, it's uh, Peter Falk plays a CIA agent, and uh, his son is getting married to Alan Arkin's daughter. 
and they meet for the first time and they get into some hijinks, uh, you know, in foreign countries and, you know, illegal money and stuff like that. And they wind up lining them up and like, they're going to shoot them. And they give Alan Arkin a cigarette. He's like, Oh, spit it out. Well, what's that? He says, Oh, it's a cigarette. He says, I don't smoke. He says, well, you're not going to be breathing in a minute either. So, I mean, that, that was a real, it was a really good movie. Great comedy. If you get a chance to watch it. Well, Grumpy, I'm glad you went ahead and explained that reference because I was completely lost when you said that. I'm like, I don't know where you're taking us, Grumpy old man, but I'm hoping you're going to somehow tie it back in. So I'm glad you were able to. If you ever hear the phrase serpentine, Shell, serpentine, that's also from that movie. I've learned something, Grumpy. I always do. I always do anytime Ooh. I interact with you, Grumpy old man. I'm senior wrenches. It, it was a good movie. <laughs> Uh, and Scott also saying, will Bellows ever get back in the lineup and put on the third line with Wallstrom and John Gabriel Pajot? I, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't think so. And, and call me crazy, I think that uh, Anthony Bavillier has to earn his way back to the second line, and I have no issue with that at all. Um, this is a thing. I think Anthony Bavillier plays better when he has something to prove. And he feels like, you know what I mean, it's him against the world type of thing where he's like, hey, I'm being, you know, I'm just using air quotes. I'm being disrespected here a little bit. That's the mentality and the mantra that he takes. And I think that's when he plays his best hockey is when he kind of gets that fire lit underneath him. And that's when he plays his best. I think he will go ahead and shine as he's done here in the past. Um, I, I think he's got to go ahead and earn that spot back from Michael Cole as he should. Well, I never thought that Mavillier was a good fit for the second line because he's a he's a skater and, you know, Hanging out with those two toads that were up on that line is not good for him. I always thought he played better with Barzell and Eberle. Um, that said, I like him with Pajot, and I like him with Wallstrom. And as far as I'm concerned, that's our second best line. Okay, there's no way Michael Del Cole is better than Anthony Bavillier. Michael Del Cole is – he's a jag. I mean, I don't care that he's been hustling a little bit, but he's kind of, his game is regressing back to what he is. I mean, hey, these guys get a shot. I'm going to give credit to Michael Del Cole. He got a shot on that second line, and he's busting his butt out there. I mean, that's all you can say. He doesn't have a whole lot of talent, absolutely not, but he's given it everything he has, and you have to appreciate that. That said, he's not a second liner. He's barely a third liner. Well, that, that's something I was thinking about. I was pondering and thinking, grumpy old man. I was having a philosophical question. I was thinking to myself, if we were to have a third line of Anthony Bavillier, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, and Wallstrom, I would be very happy and content. But, um, you know, in, this, in the other hand, grumpy old man, that would mean Michael Doe Cole is playing on your second line on a consistent basis, which not great, uh, grumpy old man. So I'm thinking to myself long term, I'm, I, you know, I don't know what the lines are going to look like. I think they do want to have Michael Doe Cole in some capacity on the roster and, and on the ice every night as of right now, but just based off the way he's played there in the second line so far this year, grumpy. If he brings that energy every night, honestly, I'd like to see him on the fourth line because the fourth line is abysmal. They had the one game where they played well. I mean, yesterday through the first two periods, they only played six minutes. I mean, so even the coach has kind of lost faith in them, right? Let's be honest. And, you know, they're all on, they're all on the wrong side of 30. Casey is, what, 30? Um, they're, they're, they're finished as a line. I don't care that they played one good game. You know, three games ago, they've resorted back to what they are. They're always pinned in their own zone, always. I mean, that's not what that line is about. That line is about high energy, pressing the other team on the forecheck, and they're not doing that right now. Phase them out, have guys more appropriate, move Del Cole down to the fourth line as long as he continues to hustle because if he doesn't hustle, 
and uh, give it all he's all he's got. He's absolutely useless to Grumpy old man. Uh, I have a comment here from Jr. saying uh, Jay Rich saying that Barry Trotz is the best coach in the NHL. Doesn't get enough recognition he deserves uh, for the job he's doing. I'll tell you this much: Grumpy and I are critical on coaching staff, uh, general manager, doesn't matter. We're critical when we see the need to be critical. We also sing the coaches in the general manager's praise, I think, when it's appropriate to do so. Um, I think Barry Trotz, as much as, you know, a stick as we give him, and he does have a few items that, you know, we don't like. He doesn't like integrating the young guys. I think he's definitely a top five coach in the NHL. I think it's hard to dispute that. Yeah, hard to say he doesn't get the recognition he deserves. He won coach of the year two years ago. So, I mean, you know, the year before that, he won a Stanley Cup. So I can't say that uh, he's not getting the recognition he deserves. He probably doesn't get it from me uh, for some of the boneheaded things he does. Uh, but uh, like I said, I'm only critical of his, the fact that he refuses to play uh, younger players and the fact that uh, we try to shackle some of the offensive creativity that some of our players had for the sake of defense. Mm, grumpy old man. Uh, oh, David here saying and chiming in, Grumpy, there is no complaining. Again, so we're on an eight-game point streak, and there are always going to be fans who are saying no complaining during an eight-game point streak. Grumpy old man, I will tell you this much. I will be interested to see how everything goes down with Pittsburgh. I, I've told this. I, you know, I was talking about this two or three podcasts ago. This stretch where we're going to play four games against Pittsburgh is hugely important. I know right now currently we are sitting second in the standings, but again, a lot of things can change, and it's a very, very close division. When you're playing a team like Pittsburgh, who's going to be a team that's going to be fighting and vying for a playoff spot, you have to come away with points. You have to come away with victories. This is going to be a huge, important stretch of games against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, I mean, you see Washington, who I think this year is much better than they were in Reardon. Uh, they've absolutely dominated us. But on the other hand uh, – Boston's only lost two games in regulation the whole year, and they're both to us. And I just think that they struggle with the kind of structure that we play uh, play with. And that's a benefit to Barry Trotz, absolutely. Um, but you see, here's the thing. They're not afraid to mix their lines up a little bit. Pasternak hasn't been performing. They put him on the second line, right? I mean, they don't – he was scoring earlier, but now he's not scoring. Bang. Only two or three games, they shuffle their lines up. I like uh, Bruce Cassidy as head coach for them. I really do. I think he's really good. I still think when uh, brass tacks, they probably beat us in the playoffs. I worry about Washington. Philadelphia, even though we outplay them, it seems like every time that we play them, if that game goes to overtime, we're losing. I mean, I for whatever reason, every time that we play them and it goes to overtime, we lose. So we got to beat them in regulation. Pittsburgh's the team I worry about the most. That's going to be competition for that fourth uh, final playoff spot. Um, yeah, yes, Grumpy. We play Pittsburgh four times over our next six games. So in the next two weeks, we play the Pittsburgh Penguins four times. Grumpy old man. And at that point, that will be six of the times we'll play them out of the eight all season long. So this is a huge stretch. And, I mean, these points against the Pittsburgh Penguins are even more important. Wins and regulation, obviously, are important against all teams. But wins and regulations against the Pittsburgh Penguins are just a little bit more important, in my opinion, Grump. Yeah. I mean, if we can beat them in regulation, imagine beating them four times in regulation. They're, they're, they're dusty. That's it. You can't lose a whole bunch of games in a row. I mean, if you can, it's early in the year where you can make it back up. I mean, thank goodness we're on an eight-game point streak. 
I still don't think we're playing extremely well right now. We are in fits and starts, uh, but I think it helps some of the teams that we've been playing. I think this the schedule's kind of broken nice for us, to be honest with you. Well, you say that on a one hand, grumpy old man. Again, I'd like to say that, you know, over next six out of our next five games, we're playing Pittsburgh four times. We're playing the Boston Bruins, who we've matched up well against. But again, still the best team right now in the division. So those are those are going to be five, you know, five out of our next six games are going to be against real contenders so far here, Grumpy. Well, I'm glad that you changed. You did say six out of five. So I don't know what kind of math they teach you there in the center of the country, but it's five out of six. Ah. But, hey, this is a big stretch of games for us. It really is. And it was nice to see Sorokin play extremely well last night, too. He wasn't super tested early, but in the third period he certainly was. And you can just see him getting better game after game. He showed flashes. And, man, oh, man, you know, he gets the the reputation there of being a cat back there in net and having cat-like reflexes. For certain he does have that. And we saw those on display last night. We have already seen that so far this season. Yeah, I know they almost he almost gave up a goal. I'm glad he got the shutout where a guy was off sides, but he was over there. It was just a beautiful shot that beat him. I mean, he had that glove hand up there. It was just a perfectly placed shot. Uh, the kid's going to be good. He just needs to play. Uh, there's also been rumblings about him getting sent down to the AHL to get more games. Thank you, Lou. Thank you for listening to me because that's what I said he should do. The kid needs to play. Uh Hopefully he gets – I mean, but with Varlamov being as hot as he is, it's tough to sit him. But if Trotz is smart, he'll kind of balance that work, a workload a little bit more, maybe two to one, so that Varlamov doesn't burn out and uh, Sorokin still gets to play some games in the NHL. Yeah, grumpy old man. I got you. Definitely about Sorokin. Oh, man. <laughs> I was even thinking about saying Sorokin, but I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. I was about to say. It's the middle of the week. I'm going to leave like Butch off the hook today. <laughs> grumpy old man um got a comment here from scott l as well saying uh with sorokin being uh getting the first win yesterday do you think barry might want to play him more rather than once every six games he should because it benefits the player and the team in the long run that was part of the issue that i had last year when he wouldn't play dobson all year long you get an injury now you got to throw the kid in there he was good enough uh, to show that he could still do it, which tells me he should have been playing the whole year anyway. And I hope we don't have the same situation with Sorokin. He should play, like I said, maybe one out of every three games. I think that would be a nice mix to get him the experience he needs and also give Varlamov some rest. Exactly. I mean, that's long-term. We're thinking about longevity. You want Varlamov to stay healthy. You want him to be where he's fresh there towards playoff time period. And, you know, God forbid if there was anything like where a time period where we have like a condensed schedule because, you know, somebody on our team or a significant amount of our teammates have like uh, COVID or anything like that, that condenses the schedule down. You want to be able to rely upon Sorokin and feel comfortable doing so. So it's better to slowly integrate him in than having to have a birth by fire. Given I think he's talented enough to be fine with a baptism by fire, but you obviously would like that slow integration, in my opinion, Grump. Yeah, I, you know, I, you mentioned something about COVID before, and I want to just say something. I want to speak to that. You look at the teams in the league, in all the sports leagues, when you see certain teams get a whole bunch of COVID outbreaks, and then you see other teams that don't have any. It tells me that they're more disciplined and uh, have a little bit more on the stick than some of the other teams. When you see, you know, teams have to get shut down, and you see teams like the Islanders where, I mean, 
even though they're not in a bubble, nobody gets it, right? I mean, because I think their discipline and their lifestyle, I think what, how they put how they on the ice also carries over to how they act in their private lives. And that's yeah. kudos. kudos to everybody. Uh, even uh, below average, king of the secondary assist, croc, even even uh, Casper the friendly ghost. And Grumpy, I'm going to call him Captain. Uh, because, again, like Grumpy Old Man, I think he deserves to be Captain Average in your standings as of right now, Grumpy. Uh, Brandy Gaines also saying, Jeff Skinner and Taylor Harrell are putrid. I'll tell you one thing. Man, oh man, the contract is not looking good for Jeff Skinner. And I could tell you also this, Grumpy Old Man. Taylor Hall, I, I tell you, he has a tendency wherever he goes, teams struggle. They just do. And I mean, like they, you know, they did the interesting breakdown last year, Grumpy Old Man, after he was traded there to the Arizona Coyotes. He was playing, you know, the team, the Coyotes were playing well before he got there. As soon as he got there, winning, you know, the winning percentage dropped. And it was vice versa there for the New Jersey Devils. I always think that's interesting. So are you trying to say that he's like Josh Bailey, but with talent? What? How are you drawing that comparison? Josh Bailey was on the second line. It was abysmal. He goes to the first line. Now they're tailing off. They're not tailing off. Barzell's still driving that line, Grumpy. They're not tailing off. Yeah, no, look who he's shackled with. Average and the, the king of the secondary assist. I will tell you one thing, Grumpy. It's going to be interesting to see how the legacy of Taylor Hall is formed. Because I think long term, I'm not sure if he's ever going to be a guy who wins something. You know what I mean? When you think about good players or players that are drafted high, you think, okay, what do they win? What do they accumulate? I His teams always seem to struggle. And he, in my opinion, again, there's something about his game style, Grumpy Old Man. Again, like I... I try not to fully invest in trends and things of that nature, but it's impossible not to follow them. And again, the Buffalo Sabers were pretty miserable before he got there, and they're still pretty bad. And they're still pretty bad now. Yeah, I, you know what? I'm for Buffalo. If I'm a Buffalo fan, I'm kind of throwing these two games out, particularly the first one. I think they played better yesterday, and I think as the, the season goes on and they start to play, you're going to see a better Buffalo team, certainly. So. You know, even though Hall hasn't played great, neither is Skinner. They haven't played a whole lot of hockey this year. And missing those 15 days is going to have an effect. Uh, that said, uh, I don't think that Taylor Hall is a guy who's going to lead your team to a championship. But if he's on a good team, uh, I think he could win a Stanley Cup. But he not if not if he's your go-to guy. I never thought he was as good as he was professed to be. Even when he won uh, – you know, MVP. I just like, how did he win MVP when he beat the Devils? I don't, you know. Well, I thought, I thought, didn't he lead the, didn't he lead the league in points? Yeah, but I'm. Well, that's, that's out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or he, I, admitted, if he didn't lead, he was very close to leading the league in points and he was shackled with the Devils and he brought him to the playoffs. So that's how we got that trophy. Yeah, I'm just glad we didn't make a play for him because when we talked about it in the offseason, I'm like, he's a guy I did not want. And not because he couldn't play, but because he would be making too much money. And I just don't think he's a good fit for this team. I'll tell you one thing. Think about how much money they have long-term tied up into Jeff Skinner. Oh, my gosh. Again, that's the guy who had a 40-point season. That's a guy who needs a change, change of scenery. <laughs> I'll tell you that much, yeah. Grumpy Old Man. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, you know, we had the one last year was pretty good. Uh, but other than that, in Carolina, but that, other than that, he had struggled before that also. A Grumpy Old Man from Brian B. saying, I think Bello should be in the lineup. I think Michael Del Cole should start over Martin. This would give us the best lineup we have available. Grumpy old man. Again, I 
I don't think Matt Martin's done anything spectacular so far this season. I know he's you know potted a few goals. Um, I, I, the six in your terms, grumpy old man, the six million dollar man has been pedestrian, just like the rest of the fourth line here for the majority of the season. It's time. It's time to move away from that. It just is. I know that Trotz and Lamarillo don't like to do that. They don't want to trust the young guys. But you know what? I'd much rather have my young guys making mistakes when they're 21 and 22 as opposed to 25 and 26. There's no place in the NHL for guys in their 30s for the most part. Certainly not fourth liners. I mean, you have yourself a superior talent. Yes, you can produce into your 30s. But this is a young man's game, particularly the way it's played now, where it's all about speed and skating. Physicality, for the most part, has been taken out of the game. Uh, you know, you don't need those guys who are just a whole – We're, I mean, how many grinders do we have on this team, right? I mean, an awful lot. Skating and getting guys to produce on their entry-level deals, that's what. That's how you maximize production in the cap era. And, again, you see that across all sports, Grumpy Old Man, so you're not going to see me argue against that. Uh, Grump, I do want to mention something. I know you are not in touch with social media because you don't have any, Grumpy Old Man. True. Uh, that being said, there's something going around. And again, Islander fans always love to tease Ranger fans. You know, it's a it's a testament as old as time, Grumpy. And I just I don't think that's ever going away anytime soon. Well, uh, recently, I guess through the first 14 games of their careers, people are drawing comparisons because Alex uh, Lafreniere has one point through his first 14 games. Rick DiPietro, on the other hand, Grumpy Old Man, had two points through his first 14 games of his NHL career. Grumpy old man, I want to I want to ask you a serious question. Are you worried at all about Alex Lafreniere's production? And again, that is a high powered Rangers offense, and you figure just by being out there on the ice, you'd find a way to you know pot a few points, whether they be goals or assists. I don't watch enough Rangers game, Grumpy. Uh, is that something that you think would worry you, or is it not not nothing of worry yet? He's young, only 18, 19 years old. Well, so he's you figure if he's out there on the ice that much, he should at least get some secondary assists a la Josh Bailey, um, you would just think just by being out there. Now, Bailey plays, I'm sure, a lot more ice time than uh, Lafriere does. I'm not concerned because he is 18 slash 19 years old. This is a rebuilding year. He's playing for the rah-rah college coach. So, you know, uh, I, I don't. I think, I think they're going to get rid of him. What's his name again? Quinn? Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn, grumpy. Yeah. I mean, what's he done? They need a they need a veteran coach. They really do. Not uh, you know, rah rah sis boom bah for certain. But I wouldn't worry about him yet. It's way too early. You're talking about 14 games of his rookie year, and uh I'm not really concerned. I mean, are the Rangers even scoring a whole lot of goals right now? I don't even know. I don't even care. Uh, I don't know why other fans even worry about the Rangers. I, I consider them second class citizens for the most part. What do we care was- about them? I was waiting for you to hit that point, grumpy old man. Or uh, <laughs> it's the truth. Really... It's the truth, though. I mean, who cares about the Rangers? They suck. They're worse than us. What do we care? The only thing they're good for is coming here and give us two points. That's all. <laughs> oh, grumpy old man. Uh, I'll tell you. Uh, we've got here from John John W. saying, "Love Anders, but I feel like his lack of speed hurts Barzal." Ebbs has played well. Thoughts, grumpy? Yeah. They play on opposite wings. Uh, I never felt that uh, Average is a good fit for that line. Uh, I feel he's much better when he plays with Nelson and Bailey because it's the toad line. Uh, 
They're all equally slow, uh, but they seem to have good chemistry. And that's why I always liked I liked Everly and uh, Bavillier with Barzell. I thought it makes I think it makes them more explosive. That's those would be the lines I'd go with, honestly. I put Lee with Nelson and Bailey. Unfortunately, Nelson's struggling so much, I don't know how that would have an effect on Lee. And I would have my I'd leave my third line as is right now. Um, well, no, I guess not. If I move Bavillier to the first, maybe we'll double shift Bavillier. Uh, <laughs> but no, just kidding. I, I always I always thought that the line of Everly, Bavillier, and Barzal had the best production that we could expect out of them. But I don't think we're going to see that again. That is a line long gone, Grumpy. I don't think we're seeing that line anytime soon. And the funny thing is, didn't they roll that out last year in the playoffs for a certain time period? Yeah, very, very little bit. Only when we need to score. <laughs> oh, Grumpy old man. Um, here you go. Uh, David saying, David C saying, is Anders past the below average Anders reference of a few weeks ago? I, I told you, Grumpy, I think he should be Captain Average, Grump. He's got to be upgraded. He's been playing well, and you said it. It was a nice goal as well against the it Buffalo was, Sabres just recently. It was a nice goal. I mean, and then he goes and scores the empty net. You knew it was going to be him. I think he only hit the side of the net two or three times in that whole sequence. So it just shows how he can't shoot. Um, but it was a nice goal on an absolutely scintillating pass from Dobson. Fantastic. That's what he brings that none of the other defensemen do. So, And he is not below average this week. He's just average. Oh, grumpy old man. That's about the greatest compliment you can pay, Anders Lee, isn't it, Grumpy? Here's the thing. No. he Maybe he, if he plays really well, he could be elevated to captain average again. But, you know, that only lasted a week. It's like, you know, he's like the stock market, up and down, up and down. I wish he'd just be steady like this. On a nice <laughs> – no, he's like er, – er, 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 er. Jay Rich commenting, and Anders Lee is a great captain. Anders Lee is an excellent captain. Again, he like the, He is a good captain. The intangibles he brings and the leadership he has, I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again. He is absolutely perfect as an Islanders captain. Well, obviously, you want to have his love child just by the way you're talking today. Good for you. Uh, I don't want to – Grumpy, I'm not that infatuated with Anders Lee. I think he's been playing well. And, again, this is – again, I think the contract's bad. The contract's going to bite us in the ass long term. I will say this much, though. It's reassuring to see him playing better this season than he did last year. I was sick. I was seriously worried with his play last season. And the, the performance has been increased this year, but I think it's not necessarily all due to him. I think he is a guy who has to be fed. And you see a lot of the goals he produces are redirecting goals or goals where he has a stick on the ice and he's able to redirect a pass or you know an ill-vised shot or hit a rebound into the net. That is where Anders Lee excels. And for the longest time, he wasn't able to do that last season. And, again, I, I've, I've always said because Matt Barzal is a guy who likes to skate, he likes to try to create extra offense just with his ability to you know, to turn you know, turn corners and to hit the open man with a pass. That was never into Anders Lee's style. But now you see them putting the puck more towards the net, and I think it has benefited Anders Lee more this season. He, benef- he, always, he benefits from playing with Tavares. He benefits playing with uh, Barzal. He's not going to create his own offense. That said, throughout the history of the game, there have always been players like that. Dave Anderchuk was just standing in front of the net. He had a better shot than Lee did. But he was another guy slow afoot, but really good in front of the net, way better than Anders Lee. But that's the kind of comparison player. Phil Esposito was another one. 
you know, when he played for Boston, he was really good, but he wasn't a fantastic skater, but he was really good in front of the net. And that's Andrews Lee's job. Uh, I think he's done an admirable job as captain. I think the guys believe in him. Uh, I just think that there are way better players than him. That's all. Mm-hmm. And he's certainly not going to live up to that contract. He's not even earning it now. <laughs> I'll tell you long-term that you definitely do. At least I worry about the contract. Most people who are level-headed think to themselves long-term, if you're not able to get rid of Andrews Lee towards the end of that contract, that is going to be a toxic asset for sure, grumpy old man. And we'll be talking about it, I'm sure, then when it's towards the end, if the Islanders still do have him. Brandon Gaines saying, Lee's on average for a 27-goal pace It's 27 goal pace this shortened season. Not bad. So let's see how it plays out. That's all I'm going to say. Let's see how it plays out. He's putting some goals in right now. And like I said, the shot that he had on uh, from Dobson yesterday, that's one of the better shots I've seen him take in quite a while. So kudos to him. Of course, after taking the shot, he, since he can't skate or stop, he just tumbled into the boards. So I mean, what do you expect? Grumpy old man. Every single compliment has to come with a little bit of grumpiness, as always. And Frank K saying, and again, this is this is actually excellent. I was talking about the, the Rangers. Here you go. Uh, the rain, he says. The rags have hit a new low with this lo- with that loss. Um, I don't. Um, I don't want the no Panarin, no Miller, or no. And I'm going to butcher this name. Is that Chitlet, Grumpy Old Man? I don't know. I, again, I can't pronounce the name. Better. Who cares? <laughs> uh, what happened to Lafreniere being uh, Gretzky or Lemieux and Hole? And you know, for one, uh, Capocacco being a, a Iserman there or a Fursberg. Uh, Shesterkin has not been good either. Yeah, I don't, you know, that's just part of the New York media. Uh, They keep on wanting to push certain teams. Hey, the Rangers are a marquee team, right? Uh, Lafreniere is never going to be Gretzky, Lemieux, Brett Hall, Bobby Hall, maybe Dennis Hall. I don't know. Uh, But Kako, in the same breath as Eisenman or Forsberg, no. I mean, I think they're young. They're young. They're going to have time. They're going to need time to grow, and they need a real coach. You can't have Johnny, you know, Johnny Rara out there as your coach and expect to get any better. I, I don't know how he's lasted on the job this long, honestly. <laughs> Dan Quinn, grumpy old man. Johnny Rara. Oh, goodness. He's a, college, he's a college coach. Come on. College coaches can be successful in the NHL. It's not impossible to make that transition, Grump. Most aren't, though, right? Let's be honest. Most aren't. I get a lot of co- okay. I'll I'll put it like this to you, grumpy old man. I think most coaches in the NHL are not successful. And again, like it's you look at it with an odd perspective because I mean, unless you're winning, you know, making the playoffs and you're winning a significant amount of games, you know, you get checked off. Hey, we're on to the next guy. A lot of coaches flame out, grumpy old man. I'm just gonna say this guy's no Herb Brooks. That's all I'm saying. He was a college yeah. coach and he did the job, but mostly, you know. You know, but that's part of the old boy network too. You know, guys from Canada are going to be the head coaches. Uh, I mean, that's just the way it is, guys who played in the NHL. And, you know, usually, well, Quinn certainly wasn't a good player because I never even heard of him. I don't even think his mother knows who he is. So he wasn't a really good player. So you can't say, you know, that uh, good players don't turn out to be good coaches because it's not necessarily true. But sometimes it is. Guys with, you know, immense individual talent don't make good coaches. But uh, he's not a good coach. Grumpy old man have a comment here from Scott Levy saying as well, since Barry was hired as head coach, you've got to give him a ton of credit. The video crew spotting a lot of offsides that lead to potential opposing goals. I will tell you one thing. 
anytime Barry Trotz challenges a call, I almost feel with a 95 to 100% confidence level that, yes, they're going to win that challenge. Very rarely do I look at something and I'm like, eh, I'm not really sure for the challenge there, Barry. He wins a lot of those challenges. Yeah, Scott, really, that's really good insight because he's 100% right on that. Whoever's doing that, I don't know who it is. They're usually spot on. You don't see them challenging unless it's you know real obvious. Uh, and they know, here's the thing, they know what they're doing. And I'm not going to say they're the only ones in the league. I think a lot of teams have that where they have guys who are really looking at that. I got to say that that's got to be a tough job, though. If you're just there, you know, looking at videotape all the time. Hey, was that guy offside? Was he not? Interesting. Well, I feel I, I'm always interested, like how the dynamics work, because I'm sure the guys on the ice are like, hey, I, I, you know, I'm not sure how they do it, whether they signal or something like that or say, hey, make sure you're looking at this. And they're able to go ahead and kind of get the head start on that because it, or maybe they're just watching every single offsides or every single entry into the zone that happens. Grumpy man, oh man, you want to talk about you want to talk about a job that could be a little taxing. Yeah, that, that's what I think, and that's what I'm saying. It's tough. It's almost like being an air traffic controller out there on the ice, right? Oh God, you know, well, a little bit less stress, but something like that. You know, you really got to. It's not like you'd be sleeping on the job. That's all I'm saying. And grumpy old man have a comment here from Dave Pereira saying, I find it frustrating that Bailey won't take the body and usually turns the puck over way too much. It's not who he is. He's never been that player. And he does turn the puck over an awful lot. Even, even the game where he had the two assists, he turned the puck over two or three times. It's like, geez, what are you doing? Do you want to know something interesting? And again, it, it's worth taking with a grain of salt. Josh Bailey is not a physical player. You talk about him not wanting to take the body. Grumpy old man, if you had to venture out on a leg, how many times Josh Bailey has hit an opponent so far this season or how many registered hits he has so far in the 15 games the Islanders have played? Grump, how many hits do you think Josh Bailey has registered? Two. Zero. I, I, Zero. I thought, I, I, I'm going to tell you what. I thought I saw him check somebody yesterday. I thought I was, I saw it too because I'd been messaged by a few people. I think Vinny, Vinny messaged me saying, Hey, you know, Josh Bailey doesn't have a registered hit so far this season. I was like, Oh, wow. It's like that. Now, this is something I have to watch for. I thought he got a registered hit yesterday, but I guess they didn't count it. Here's the thing it's so unusual that when he does it, you remember it. And that's the way I'm like, Holy crap. He actually threw a body check. I was stunned. Maybe it was somebody else. I mean, that's a matter of fact. I think it was. I think it was Wallstrom. I just thought that it, I saw it too, and actually, I thought it was Bailey, but it wasn't. I'm not surprised. He's you know, Charmin bathroom tissue soft. Everyone knows that. He just you know, he is what he is. He just went. Grump, I also do want to ask you. And now, after the game in the post game, I believe Jean Gabriel Pajot was talking to Shannon Hogan, and Grumpy Old Man. He, you know, I think I can't remember the exact question she asked, but long story short, John Gabriel Pajot said, I want to be the guy who gets under people's skin and that you hate to play against. And I mean, for the most part, Islander fans knew that about John Gabriel Pajot, but the fact that he's embraced that role and he's producing offensively is just that much more titillating there to our fandom. Because I'll be honest, having a guy like a John Gabriel Pajot or even having a guy like a Ryan Kessler who could put up points offensively but also has the ability to get under somebody's skin. Same thing with Brad Marchand. Of course, different. they're all different variations. But having somebody that can get under the skin of the opposing team and put pucks in the net, man, oh, man, you love to have him on your team. You love. You hate to play against him. Yeah, I wouldn't put him in the Marchand category. Marchand's just a, a punk. Uh, I don't see that with J.G. Pajot. I would say that he's not even in the Kessler category. 
in that way. Uh, Kessler could really get under people's skin, uh, under people's skin, but I, I don't really look at him like that. I, I just, I just don't. I mean, I just think he's a hardworking player. Uh, I don't look at him as somebody who gets under somebody's skin. You know, that that's me. I mean, he gives it 110 percent out there all the time, though, right? Yeah, scrumpy old man. A uh, comment here from Tommy Baffy. Hey, Tommy. Um, he says, uh, Sorokin with a big step forward last night, his skill and athleticism was on display for certain. Yeah. Uh, you see him getting better and better every game, and that's what we expect. That's why he needs to play. I think you're seeing him get more comfortable. I'm not even, I think he's getting better. The angles are maybe a little bit better. We always said the one thing he's got to work on there, angles a little bit, rebound control, and everything else is all cake uh, for that young man. Uh, but again, he's extremely athletic, a man of men. Is he a skilled net minder, grumpy old man? He can really go side to side to side. My God. He he made a save last night. It's like, how the heck did he even get over there? I mean, the kid's the real deal. He is. That's why he needs to play on a consistent basis. You don't want him sitting six games before playing one. Maybe, you know, hey, I realize Varlamov's your man right now, but he should play at least every third game. And I have no problem if they figure, well, you know what, he's not going to get that that much playing time, send him down to the A. Let him play every game in the A, then come up at the end of the season and see, you know, what we can do. I mean, I, if you're I, gonna play, go ahead, TJ. I was waiting to spring this on you, Grumpy, but Bridgeport won their first game today. And guess what else, Grumpy? They scored a goal? No, no, no. They scored five. But guess who scored his first AHL goal of the season? Casper, did somebody bounce one off his butt and went in the net? <laughs> yeah, like in the goon. Uh, no, Simon Holmstrom did score his first goal this, uh, of, this, of the young AHL season so far at Grumpy today. He plays on the number one line. He should do something. He should score a little bit anyway. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. It was nice again to see them get a win. Uh, I don't expect this to be a very successful season for them, though. Uh, obviously, Grumpy Old Man. We got a comment here from Brian and John saying, do you guys think the Islanders are going to make any trades during the deadline? Ooh, nope. The no funny trades. Okay, Grump, I, I think you're right. And the funny thing is you see eyes on Isles talking, saying, hey, you know, these are possible trade partners, and these are guys maybe we might target, et cetera. Grumpy Old Man, there's just no way that's going to be done. Uh, the only thing I could think of we would do is maybe the exchange there of Andrew Ladd for Zach Parise, which is something I'm completely against. I think that's something we might entertain, but who the heck knows? And again, I, I think obviously if injuries do happen, I think that's the only time we're going to see the Islanders make a move at the trade deadline. If an important and pertinent part of our team does get injured, I think we might see a trade. But other than that, I think we're going to be quiet at the trade deadline. Yeah, I don't see us. I don't see him making a move. Uh, you know, I mean, he made a couple of moves last year. That's good for like another four or five years for Lou Lamarillo. He doesn't like to make any moves. So I don't expect it here. I mean, we're right up against the salary cap ceiling, right? So unless you're dumping salary, uh, you know, it's not going to happen. I, I'll I tell just, you. He doesn't like to make moves. And as far as Lad for Parise, you want to trade one of the 10 worst contracts for one of the five worst contracts? Does that make any sense at all? To me, it doesn't. That's my thing. Zach Parise has more term attached to his contract than Andrew Ladd does. And given Parise at least performs to a certain extent, but he also absorbs more of a cap hit too. So, And I think he's worth more annual salary too. Yeah, yeah, he's got a higher cap hit. Yeah, Grumpy. Uh, so, yeah, he does absorb more annual salary. Um, that being said, I'm not a fan of it. I never have been a fan of that idea. Fans like it because, oh, Zach Parise still has a name. 
man oh man he's towards the bat you know, he, you know age is undefeated and he's an older guy an older skill guy uh so i would try to stay away from that type of deal if at all possible if we're even entertaining something like that at the trade deadline yeah that's what worries me about lou lamarillo though you know the older you are the better chance you have to play for the islanders hmm and grumpy this is a good question here by toby o'connor saying not sure why martin was signed johnson is better and tougher i'll tell you this much this is it's it, it just baffles me as to why we signed ross johnson four years or three years ago now to that contract and again it didn't absorb a whole bunch of cap it was only one million dollars a year but still every every little bit counts right grumpy and if you had the intention of signing back Matt Martin when everything was all said and done after his contract expired last offseason and Ross Johnson's just going to sit the bench as a healthy scratcher on taxi squad, et cetera, what was the point? What was the point of signing him back? And I was I was actually thinking about this not too long ago, grumpy old man. I'm just like, wow, you know, Ross Johnson just absorbing cap, not doing anything. Yeah, Matt Martin, 32-year-old, former tough guy, fourth-line player. You sign into a four-year extension. It's just stupid. It's really just – it's stupid. You have Ross Johnson who can do that job very admirably. There's nothing that Matt Martin brings to the table anymore that, that Ross Johnston does. It. I mean, nothing. And you have the benefit of having Johnston in your lineup playing limited minutes. I mean, let's be honest. He played limited minutes with the fourth line. But every he makes us – he makes the whole team tougher, if you know what I mean. No one's going to push the Islanders around when Ross Johnson's on the ice or if he's uh, in the lineup. You don't see any of those shenanigans go on. You don't see anybody going after Barzal because they know Ross Johnson's out there. And that's the whole thing why. I mean, I'm not saying we need goons anymore, but you still need guys who could be physical. Our team hasn't been pushed around, though, this year yet, Grumpy. You get pushed around sometimes in the playoffs for certain, but you, I, haven't, I have not seen the Islanders get pushed around this year. And I don't expect that either, Grumpy old man. Um, I will tell you, going back there to the trade deadline, last year was a really good trade deadline for Lou Lamarillo. He brought in John Gabriel Pajot. Again, like, sure, we can argue maybe he overpaid for John Gabriel Pajot just with the, the premise of giving up a first there and a second for a guy who's going to be a third-line center, albeit a guy who contributes much more than a third-line center. But I understand that point. Um, and Andy Green, grumpy old man. So, again, he did make a few good moves. You know, you got to go ahead and give credit where credit's due, Grump, in my opinion. He gave up too much for both of them. I uh, like both players. I think Andy Green has re, uh, age is starting to get him now. I don't think he's even the player he was last year. Um, JG Pajot, five-year contract extension, five million per for third-line center. Is that smart? I don't know, uh, but I do like him for certain. I think he can play up and down the lineup too. His thing. You play Josh Bailey up and down the lineup. You could do the same thing with JG Pajot and get way better results. Uh, I don't think I don't think anyone could deny that. Uh, Grumpy, you got Tommy Baffy also chiming in saying, "I wonder how long we can go in this condensed schedule, running the same six defensemen out there without tiring them." Well, I think that, I you know I think Pulak and Letty played better last night. I think that Pulak struggled a little bit recently, and Pelic has really struggled. Um, uh, he's taken a lot of. Uh, a lot of penalties recently, a lot of two-minute penalties. See him getting walked around a little bit. I wonder if he has something wrong with him too. Anytime that you see a guy who's been really, really good for a while, and he's young, so it's not like an age thing, but you see something like that and you wonder, okay, why are guys walking around him where they never have before? 
it's always a concern for him, especially, you know, him coming off that injury too. Hmm. Grumpy old man. And again, I, I think that as, you know, the, the schedule does condense and as we're playing, you know, more games in a shortened time period, you, you want to maybe see Sebastian Ajo integrated into the lineup in some capacity. That's something I think we're going to have to start seeing. Um, I think it would be beneficial. Again, he does have NHL experience, albeit a while ago grumpy, but still does have some NHL experience to rely back on. The thing you really have to worry about is feeding too many minutes to the top two pairs. Because, I mean, Noah Dobson's ready for a bigger role. You've seen him sometimes go out there with Letty recently, last two games. He's been out there with Letty some. That kid's ready. He's the type of guy you can feed minutes to. You really got to be careful. You don't want to have uh, – and I think they do – I think Trust does a good job of not overworking the first pair, uh, but he really has to be cognizant of that. Because if you wear out those older guys early or you wear out a pair early regardless of age, come playoff time, what are they going to have left in the tank? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, David Cutler saying here, will ancient Andy Green survive such a condensed schedule going forward, Grump? Uh, I think he's struggling with it now. I mean, I just don't think he has – I think he's lost a step certainly from the last uh, – from the postseason. I don't think anyone can deny that. Uh I think a lot of time you see Dobson's carrying him now, where last year I thought that uh, when they did play together, I thought that uh, Green really helped Dobson. I think it's kind of tipped a little bit. And I'll tell you one thing. I don't think it's – the lineups for the defensive pairings have not been as dogmatic where, yes, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, Pulak, Pellick, first line no matter what. Second line no matter what is uh, Letty, Mayfield. Third line no matter what is Dobson, Green. They kind of mix those up a little bit, grumpy old man, at least something I've been noticing. Um, and I wonder how that's going to continue. Again, the, the second line has left something to be desired. Yeah, the second pairing's not been good this year. And even though I mentioned it right up the jump, that was that worried me. Well, even before the season started, I worried about the two of them being together. I didn't think they were a good match. And I think you're seeing that on the ice. I mean, look at their plus minus, right? And I know a lot of people, oh, we don't believe in plus minus. Well, all I know is if you're on the ice and your team has given up goals, even strength, uh, plus minus means something. Hmm. Grumpy here. David also saying, and again, this is not the first time I've seen this comment here, but I just want to bring it up. Grump, looks like AJ's hair was fixed last night. Did you make sure to style it, grumpy old I, man? Yeah, it did look better last night, maybe because she was at home. I don't know. Maybe she – well, <laughs> I, I was going to say something really mean. Don't say anything mean, Grumpy. I, I, I'm not. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. But, you know, sometimes if your hair gets windblown, it kind of looks like that. That's all. Uh, grumpy old man. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm just scrolling through a few here. Uh, David, I'm not going to be able to throw a Islander's Misery sticker, sticker on the fire hydrant. The fire hydrant. The fire oh. hydrant. And David also chiming in saying, I want John, uh, Johnny G from the Calgary Flames. Imagine him on the line with Barzal. Speed, speed, speed. Yeah, that would be excellent. I don't see it happening. Um, Goudreau, I just don't think we have the cap space. In order to do that, we'd have to get really fancy. I'm not sure what we'd also have to give up for Johnny Goudreau. He's also an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. And rumor has it he's going to Philadelphia. And that's bad news for us because I think Goudreau's a really good player. Huh. 
I'll tell you one thing. There is a lot of high-powered offensive teams in this division, and it's funny. As soon as we see, you know, because let's be honest, we look at it over the next few years, we're going to see the fading of the Washington Capitals and the fading of the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's natural. Um, Alexander Ovechkin has, you know, only a certain amount of time left, and the same thing with Crosby and Malkin. And as soon as we see those, you know, we could see the blossoming and blooming of the New York Rangers and the Philadelphia Flyers with their offensive production. So it's always funny to kind of see those ebbs and flows. Yeah, one thing we won't see is the uh, offensive explosion from the New York Islanders. That's for certain. Uh, I do think that uh, – I, I think it's more of a struggle for Pittsburgh as opposed to Washington. I think Washington has a better supporting cast uh, than Pittsburgh does. I think you're going to see uh, really a fall from grace for the Penguins uh, when Crosby and Malcolm are gone, though, for certain. Frank, thanks for letting us know. And Scott, it's David Quinn, not Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn is a football coach. I was about to say, I was like, Dan Quinn just rolled off the tongue there. I knew his last name was Quinn and Grumpy. With you always calling him Captain Ra-Ra or Ra-Ra coach, it always throws me for a loop, Grumpy. Johnny Ra-Ra. Uh, Johnny Ra-Ra, sorry. And, uh, sorry, Frank. Dan Quinn used to be a football coach, but he got clipped by the Falcons this year. I'm sure he'll pop up as a defensive coordinator somewhere. Yeah, yeah, my God. Jeez, that's right. It was 28 to 3 there, the Falcons. Oof. Hey, when you got Tom Brady as your quarterback, anything can happen. And uh, Dan Quinn found out. Oh, gosh. We got a comment here from Toby O'Connor says, Gorilla Glue works great for hair, from what I understand. Grumpy, you don't have any social media. Did you hear what happened with the Gorilla Glue? No, I know Gorilla Glue is pretty good, though. I know that. They <laughs> put it on her hair to keep it down. No, no, that was a joke. Um, so what happened is a, a lady put Gorilla Glue in her hair, um, and like I think she had it in a month or something like that, but she put it like over her hair in order to like put her weave on or something like that or put it in her hair or something from my understanding, and she couldn't get it out. I think she had it there for a month, and she didn't understand. She was supposed to get something called Gorilla Snot, not Gorilla Glue. So she put the Gorilla Glue, which is like industrial-strength glue, and she couldn't get it out. And, like, they have, like, a video of her. And, obviously, she's in distress trying to get this out of her hair because she doesn't want it in her hair anymore. Um, so, Grumpy, I, I did not know you did not hear about the Gorilla Glue incident. No. You know what? Shave your head. That's the only thing you can do, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't have a weave either. So, I don't know what they do with that. Um, but why would you do something like that? Just grow your hair regular like everybody else. Okay, Grumpy. Um, gotcha here. Uh, moving along, Grumpy, but I'm glad you did not know that there was a Gorilla Glue incident, Grumpy old man. I, did, I didn't know. I know my son one time used Gorilla Glue, put it on my kitchen table, and it's still there to this day. So, I mean, it works. Grump, I also want to bring something up. Have you? I know you don't pay attention to social media, but man, oh man, is John Tavares taking an absolute beating in the Toronto in the Toronto media and by Toronto Maple Leafs fans. My oh my is he taking an absolute beating on a consistent basis, John Tavares. They've been performing. What are the what's what is he what he's not doing well, I'm assuming. Well, I you know, I don't know if you paid attention there. They they were up, I believe it was five to one, and they went up losing six to five in overtime just to recently Ottawa. to Ottawa. And was it all was it all Tavares' fault? I mean, they got they got like the best record in the league, don't they? Or second best. I mean, they're right up there. 
Yeah, they're eleven three and two, grumpy old man. I just it's always fun to think again, like again, fans are fans, but when you lose a game like that, the fingers are being pointed, and it was like a lot of them are being pointed there specifically at John Tavares. And again, I always like to try to keep you in touch, grumpy old man, with what's going on on social media because you don't have any. Right. Well, do they want him to trade in his pajamas? I don't know what they're asking him to do. They want him to lead the team. I don't. I don't know. Like I said, I didn't see that game. I know it was a five to one. They wound up losing six to five, um, but I have to assume that Tavares did something that caused them to lose, or maybe they just don't like him. Mm. Grumpy old man. Tommy Baffy saying Anders Lee is a poor man's Dave Anderchuk. He's a broke ass man's Dave Anderchuk. <laughs> Dave Anderchuk's a Hall of Famer. Anders Lee is not. Okay, Anders Lee's had a few good seasons. I, I, okay, I, Anders Lee's not. Anders Lee's not a Hall of Fame player. Dave Anderchuk. Dave Anderchuk's in the Hall of Fame. Andrews Lee's not going there. He shouldn't even be in the Islanders Hall of Fame. Grumpy old man. Again, it all depends on what happens here. I've always told you this, grumpy old man. If the Islanders rattle off and win a few Stanley Cups, I, I think there could be a lot more players than you think in the Islanders Hall of Fame than you'd like, grumpy. Okay. Yeah, okay. I Actually, I'd be happy. That'd be great. I just don't see it happening. <laughs> and David also chiming in saying, um, I don't think Anders Lee is going to get more than five years on the open market. Uh, the game he plays won't wear well. Uh, in the long run, Lou overpaid to keep him from seven years. Come on. Yeah, for certain he did. I think they bid against themselves, supposedly Montreal. How many suitors did he have? I mean, that was the whole thing. How many suitors? I heard Montreal was interested, maybe four years. Okay, I could live with him for four years, maybe five if you want to pay, but seven? Seven years for Anders Lee, starting at 29. He can't. He couldn't skate then. He's even worse now. I mean, what do you think it's going to be like two, three years from now? It's just a massive overplay for just an average player. Hmm. Hmm. Grumpy old man. Uh, Vinny Smith saying, uh, when is the the Bailey boat parade? He had four points in two nights. Isn't, that, um, isn't this what the first power play unit in the line should be doing every night as well, talking about the production air from the power play unit in the first line? Yeah, well, that's – I mean, you're on the first line. I mean, that's what everyone said. Oh, Josh Bailey, Josh Bailey. Okay, he had a good game because I didn't think he was great last night. I thought he was, I thought he was good the night before, though. I mean, I just it, – it frustrates me that people just don't see, okay, he doesn't do anything for 10 games, and then he'll have a game where he puts up two assists. Oh, Josh Bailey's back. No, he's not. He's what he's always been, a guy who will go 37 games without scoring a goal, and then he'll score three. I mean, you remember that year? I mean, you know, Josh Bailey watch. You know, will he ever score again? I mean, hey, like- Josh Bailey, I want to know, will you score a goal? <laughs> Grumpy, that's that's, that's a song. That's a song that came out. I think that song, if I'm if I'm thinking back correctly, Grumpy, that was a song that came out from that time period. It was actually pretty good. I I enjoyed it. It was. And Brandon Gaines also saying Edmonton reportedly having no contract talks with Ryan Nugent Hopkins. In my opinion, he'd be a perfect uh, number two left wing slash number two center trade piece. Um, for this team uh, to cup contend this year. Familiarity with Eberle would help him get acclimated all the more. You are not going to trade for anybody, though, uh, certainly anybody who's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. I just don't see it happening. Uh, would I like uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins? Absolutely. He'd give us something. Brock Nelson is really struggling. We're getting no production out of the second line if it's not Jordan Eberle. 
Okay. It, Jordan Everly's hot right now. That's the only reason the second line's producing. When he goes cold, that line's going to go cold because Michael Del Cole brings nothing offensively, and Brock Nelson's just been terrible. I mean, we're a one we're a one line one or two person team uh, for goal scoring this year. It's just is what it is. I mean, Average has scored a couple of goals recently, but it's really Everly and uh, and Barzal with a little bit of Pajot thrown in. Yeah, and again, this season's young. We're only 15 games into the year, grumpy old man. Um, but I wouldn't mind that at all, having Ryan Nugent Hopkins. But again, like to bring somebody in like that, grumpy old man, you'd like to have some sort of certainty where you're like, hey, the same exact way we did with Jean-Gabriel Pajot, um, we have to have some sort of certainty, grumpy old man, that we want to sign him back long term. And again, it's going to be tough there with the cap, the cap position we're in. Um, you know, if you're going to go ahead and trade for rental, obviously the price has to be significantly less. Um, it'll be interesting to see what would happen on the trade front, though. I just, I'm not sure. And again, we do have draft capital we can go ahead and part ways with. We got two second round picks this year. We got two second round picks this year and a first round pick as well. Uh, Grumpy, I'm never a huge fan personally of consistently trading away draft picks, especially when your, your prospect pool for offensive talent is lackluster at best. And then when you draft guys like Casper, you know, who don't bring anything to the table when you could have had guys like Tomasino, Kaliev, and McMichael. Ding, ding, ding. Got them in there for you. I thought we weren't going to get in this podcast. But you're right. You don't – a team that's as old as we are who doesn't have any offensive options in the minors coming up, you don't trade away your your, your draft picks. You just don't do it. I know we did last year. Uh, like I said, I thought we overpaid for Pajot. Uh, but going forward, we cannot be dealing away first-round draft picks. Uh, yeah, Grumpy Old Man. And for everybody at home there who's got their bingo card out, you can go ahead and mark it down for Grumpy Old Man complaining about the pick of Simon Holmstrom and they should have picked XYZ, insert name here. Um, usually it's the consistent cast and crew of Tomasino, McMichael, uh, Kaliev, etc. So you go ahead and mark that off at home. That's true. Anytime you give me an opening, I'm taking it. Sure. Grumpy old man. Um, we got here um, as well. Uh, Tommy's saying one change I would make after Bavilia gets a few games in him is to put him with Lee and Barzal, drop Bailey with Pajot and Wallstrom. I hate Bailey. I, I don't care where you put him. I, I'd like to see him get hurt. Honestly, I think that would be best case scenario for this team. Uh, I don't think you're going to see Bavilia. I think he's happy with the lines. I think he likes Bailey up there for whatever reason. Uh, maybe just likes the way he skates. I don't know. But I don't think I, – I am not – it doesn't matter to me if you leave Bavelier down with Pajot and Wallstrom. The lines are just numbers anyway. I think eventually you're going to see Pajot's line maybe get a little bit more playing time. But that's going to be up to Bavelier, honestly. The better he plays, the better that line will be. I'm going to argue this too, grumpy old man. It's also up to Oliver Wallstrom again, like as if he were to start taking, you know, if they're getting incrementally more ice time, he's going to have to step up and answer the bell. Grumpy old man. It's not something I don't think he can't do, but the same token, that's, you know, it's, it's not a given that he will go ahead and do so right off the bat. So again, like these lines are always, they're always in flux here, grumpy old man, because it really doesn't indicate too much as to how much ice time you actually get in a Barry Trot system. Uh, special teams also play a huge important part of that as well. It was interesting and important to see that Oliver Wallstrom was still on the second power play unit there, grumpy old man, 
um, yesterday. So again, I was happy that he was still getting power play time. I still think he needs to be on the power play unit. Um, even once Bavillier does get back up to speed, I think he needs to be on the power play in some capacity, even when Bavillier gets inserted back into the power play picture. Yeah. See what I'm worried about with Wallstrom is that they're trying to suck the offense out of him to make, to try to jam him into that cookie cutter role of you're going to make sure that you play defense, body checking, all that stuff. When a kid's got that type of talent, you let him do what he does best. I'm just a firm believer in that. And, I I mean, I'm glad he's playing on the power play too. That kid needs to shoot the puck. They need to put him in position to shoot the puck, not where he's back checking, hitting guys along the rear wall. He needs to be up there where he can score goals. That's what he does. That That is his skill set. You want to maximize that. He shoots the puck. I don't think they're sucking the offensive creativity out of him, grumpy old man. I don't think that's the case. I disagree. I mean, when you have him, like I said, it'd be like taking Mike Bossy and having him back check and run guys in the corners in the defensive zone. That's not his skill set. You put you have other guys do that. You let the people who are talented do what they are best at, but where their talent lies. That's what they should do. That's what I would do. A grumpy old man. So yeah, just don't have just cherry pick, just play offense. I get it. There's a difference between cherry picking and being higher up in the zone, not along the back wall. There's a difference. There's a difference. I'm just saying on that line. Grumpy, all I'm saying is this. I don't think they're sucking the offensive creativity at him. He's shooting a lot of pucks on net. I think as he continues to find his comfort and he starts to gel, the more offensive production you will see from Oliver Wallstrom. I'm going to tell you what, TJ. I got bad lighting in here because I feel like I've been blinded the whole podcast. Well, you see a little shiny bit on your head, Grumpy. Well, it's not that it's, a, the, the, it's like it's like the sun is in my eyes over here. I can barely – it's like I'm like I'm bombarded with – Gamma rays like the Hulk, like Dr. Bruce Banner was. <laughs> oh, grumpy old man. I like the references, grumpy old man. <laughs> oh, gosh. Brian saying five goals for Bridgeport usually takes five games. Yeah, we're six. <laughs> uh, speaking of Brandon Gaines, also the message me. He said that William DeFore, now he's played 19 games so far this season, 15 goals. He's been putting up, he's been he's been producing offensively. Um, and again, it's nice to see, again, he's overage in juniors, but it's nice to see him there producing grumpy old man uh, for certain. And again, Alex Jeffries is another guy who, who has been producing there at Merrimack College. So I just think those guys are a little bit farther away. And like, if I'm thinking to myself, "Hey, what's a sure thing? What's a guy who I feel really confident in?" You gotta, you gotta do it for a little bit before I start feeling really confident uh, regarding like you, what your status is as a prospect for the Islanders. Yeah, the thing I like about DeFore is that he can skate for a big guy. He can skate as well as shoot. So that's the type of guy we need, and I'd love to see him pan out for us. Honestly. That's the type of prospect that we need. And that's why, you know, often you hear me, like when they uh, drafted Lundqvist, uh, he's a grinder, right? I'm sorry. In the third line, I'm taking flyers on guys who can who just show, okay, maybe they're not the best offensively, but they show that they have a nose for the net. They, you know, have some type of offensive creativity. Those are the type of guys that I take chances on. I'm, I'm not going to go out and start drafting third and fourth liners. You can if a guy doesn't pan out, you can make him a third and fourth liner. But I mean, you can't teach high end offensive skill. That's just something you can't teach. And if you see somebody who has that, even though he doesn't have the skill set that you like, you know, being grinder all the time, it doesn't matter. You can work with players like that. 
and try to jam them into the system. But you know what? At some point in time, we do have to score goals. Tell me, Baffy, with a joke, Sandy. Islanders will trade Hosing for a dozen PCR COVID-19 tests. Mm. Oh. Wow. Josh, well, I mean, those tests cost a lot of money. <laughs> At least they're getting some sort of value for it, right? Uh, Tommy also saying, TJ Islanders literally signed Johnson before we traded for Martin for the record. Again, though, I look at it like this. What did Martin cost us? Martin cost us a backup goalie and I think a, a, a later on pick. And I'm going to put it to you like this. If that was the case, there's no way in hell you just magically one day after you signed Johnson thought to yourself, you know what, let's go ahead and bring in Matt Martin. And that was always in the works beforehand. He was already thinking about that. And again, like I think that general managers usually have that plan. They, they usually try to plan it out multiple steps in advance. So the Matt Martin thing, I don't take that that was a spur of the moment after they signed Josh uh, Ross Johnson. I think that's something they did there in advance. They knew they were going to sign back. They knew they were going to trade there for Matt Martin again. The price was really low for Matt Martin. He was on a toxic acid. He wasn't being used. He was being healthy scratched there in Toronto. You got him essentially for pennies. Um, so I don't think that was like a surprise thing for Lou Lamarill to do. I think he knew he was going to do that before he signed Ross Johnson. My personal Yeah, yeah Lou Lamarill doesn't do anything without thinking about it forever and ever first. So there's no way. He knew that they were picking up Matt Martin before he signed Johnston. I didn't. I mean, a lot of people said at the time, if you have Matt Martin, why did you sign Johnston? I mean, the. But here's the thing: look what they've done to Ross Johnston, right? He used to be a bull in the china closet, but they have worn off all the things that made Ross Johnston Ross Johnston. So much so that he doesn't play anymore because that's not who he is. He's a like I said, he's a guy who should just be out there with his hair on fire and everything that moves. That's what he should be. Okay, but they've worn him down. They wanted to fit into the little cookie cutter mold, and that's the thing I'm talking about. Ross Johnson, he's super aggressive. He's a fighter. Let him do that. No, I mean that makes him half the player that he used to be. My well, fighting usually doesn't happen as much in the NHL though anymore, Grumpy. And you know we've talked about this ad nauseum. Fighting is just no longer an important part of the game like it used to be. Ross Johnson bullied the opposition just with his mere presence. It's not the case anymore. Hmm. Uh, grumpy. David Cutler saying, lackluster, lackluster Lou should trade his son and Thompson for TJ's fire hydrant. Well, I get a lot of good use out of my fire hydrant. I'm not sure that's a trade I'm willing to take. Again, um, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure I've got the payroll to keep uh, <laughs> to keep uh, Chris Lamarillo <laughs> and Britt Thompson all under me. So I don't think I have the payroll to do that. Maybe not yet. Maybe in a few years. I'm telling you, there's something going on that we don't know about. That Brent Thompson keeps his job and Chris Lamarillo keeps his job. Something's going on. I don't know what it is, but I'm sure it's not good. Oh, goodness. Uh, Brandon Gaines also saying, players with turn can be used to potential trading pieces during the expansion draft. Also, doubt Martin was going to play the entirety of his contract. Then why did you give him that long? Why did well, you give him I've always talked about it, Grumpy. I think he plays two years and then he gets released. Again, like the way the contract is 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 done, if they were to go ahead and cut him either in year three or four, the cap hits significantly less. So again, like I think this this contract was always with the intention of, hey, we're definitely planning on having you here for the next two years. After that, it's kind of up in the air. Not unless he gets put on long-term injury. The NHL is different than other sports with the salary cap. It's just the total value of the contract divided by the number of years. That's why you can't you can't play with it. He might be getting six four million dollars this year, 
one million next year, two million, the cap hit stays the same the whole way through. That's what the NHL does. And you can try to look it up like you're trying to do right now to prove Grumpy, I'm telling Grumpy, I'm telling you, the way his contract has worked, if you cut him in year three or four, it's significantly less than if you were to cut him in year one or two of his contract. I'm telling you, that's how it's written. I've looked it up before. I'm just pulling it up for so we have it for context, Grumpy. You want to know why you don't you shouldn't even have to worry about that? Because you never should have re-signed him to begin with. I mean, with a player like that, you don't even need to know anything about the salary cap. He's not that good anymore. We don't need him. We have five or six guys in the organization who do the same thing that he does. Why are we signing to him to a $6 million contract? I don't see Lindsey Wagner walking through that door to meet Steve Austin. I just don't see or Lee Majors. I don't see that happening anytime soon. The $6 million man is what he is, the guy who earns too much money. Grumpy, I'm going to have to – I'm going to have to uh... – I'll have to pull it up, Grumpy. I'm not seeing it right off the initial Google search, but again, I think the way his contract is structured, if you go ahead and cut him in year three or four, it's significantly less of a cap hit. No proof. Okay. Thank you. Okay, Grump. Okay, Grumpy. Uh, gotcha. We're keeping on scrolling. Give me a second here, Grumpy old man. Um, yeah, I also saw that Tim Tebow announced that he is retiring from baseball. Sad news for all the Mets fans. Hard to believe in his 30s, right? Well, maybe, maybe he'll try hockey next. He'd fit in with the Avs. I think he's 33 years old. He'd fit right in here. Put him on the first line. He's maybe just entering the prime of his career, right, Grumpy? I'm sorry? He's just entering the prime of his career then, right, Grumpy? If he played hockey, he certainly would for this team. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, one of the greatest college football players ever. Yeah, for certain. Ever. Again, that Florida team was really, really talented. And uh, to the pros. Yeah, no, no, most certainly did not. Uh, Scott as well is saying here, maybe the reason they held on to Johnson is because they are afraid of him being picked up off the waivers and having to face him multiple times a year and beating, <laughs> beating the piss out of our players because he never loses a fight and really pounds on the opponent. That's for certain. I get, again, like I always I always take my one. Anytime Ross Johnson drops the gloves, as long as the refs don't break it up or the other guy doesn't go ahead and chicken out, Ross Johnson's usually going to come away with the victor of that. Yeah, and that's that's – that is his skill set. You put him out there against teams like the Flyers or teams like Boston, teams that are real physical. You put Ross Johnson out there, he's an automatic deterrent. You don't see them go after us anymore because they're scared of getting beat up by Ross Johnson. And that's what he brings to the table. They've taken that element out of his game. And that, to me, that frustrates me because you're taking away the best part of what he does. It's a shame, honestly. Grumpy old man. Yep, uh, grumpy old man. I know we're a little. Tell me, tell me, you don't enjoy watching Ross Johnson beat the hell out of somebody. I absolutely love it. I, I enjoy. I enjoy fights, grumpy old man. You know, always know that position. That I think it's always fun when you get some fights in there, get some blood going, and I love to see it I, again. Like fighting is no longer though part of the game, which is unfortunate, but that's just the way the game is gone. Everybody loves a hockey fight. Everybody loves a hockey fight. Even the little namsy pamsies who say they don't like fighting or violence or anything. You put a hockey fight on there, they're watching, they're, their eyes are bolted to that screen. Or, you know, well, if they even go into a hockey arena, most of them probably wouldn't. You know, doing whatever, like their little band recitals or whatever they do. But if they saw a hockey fight, they put down their little uh, woodwind instrument and they'd really watch it. That's what mm. I'm a grumpy uh, David's saying, I think Matt Martin has gorilla glue on his skates. <laughs> he looks a little bit like a gorilla if you look at him. He has a face like a gorilla. Oh, grumpy old man. Um, and again, uh, he was telling me also saying, let's make this clear. T Tavares is a terrible team. He's a terrible leader of men. 
Yeah, I don't. Is he even a captain anymore? I thought he's, he's, an, assistant. he's an assistant, I believe, Grumpy. Okay, I, I don't think he's a great captain. I never thought he did. I don't. I think he's just a. I don't think he's vocal enough. I think uh, you know he was just kind of lead by example. And there are guys like that who can pull it off. I just don't think he's one of them. Uh, yeah, and Tommy also saying Lee had six year offer there from Montreal, and that is confirmed. Bye. I mean, I, I'm sorry. He should have been gone then. Yeah. I mean, Montreal will be dying to get rid of him right now. And Scott also saying here, do you see Lane Lambert staying with the Islanders and becoming the next head coach after Trot's contract is up? Or do you think he will get a head coaching job somewhere else before then? I think Lane Lambert will get a head coaching job somewhere else before then. He already interviewed, I think it was for the Anaheim position last year, right, Grumpy? He interviewed for jobs as a head coach last year, Grumpy. Yeah, I'm surprised he doesn't have a, a head coaching gig yet. I yep. really am, because I think he's really good. Uh, he is, without a doubt, Trotz's right-hand man. Um, and the girls love him too. He's a pretty boy. I'll tell you one thing: like you pick up on certain things when you're there at the game live. And again, like he always looks like he does a good job there, coaching up certain players. And you could always tell any type of any time a special teams unit was doing anything, he was always the main go-to guy there. He seems like a good X's and O's type of guy as well. He seems like a good communicator. He really does. Um, mm. And like I said, the girls love him. So you know that could always, especially if your team is bad, you want to get some more fans in there. Have a pretty boy behind the bench. I mean, hey, there's some guys, like I said, the girls love Johnny Boychuk. They love Matt Martin. And they love Lane Lambert. Uh, Grumpy and Tommy, thanks there for putting it out. That's right. I've forgotten that this year's second round pick there was traded to New Jersey there for Andy Green. So we only have one. We actually have um, the Colorado Avalanche's second round pick for this year. So I forgot that we had already traded away our our actual second round pick for this year here, Grumpy. Uh, the trade that keeps on giving. <laughs> and he's also saying here uh, we only have three goals from defensemen so far this season need a little bit more production than that um comes down again to the power play uh when it comes to production there from defensemen on the power play we haven't really seen it this year um uh, again like i thought nicoletti's done a few good jobs of throwing the puck towards the net gets redirected and assist again they won't get credit for the goal but like in pool lock in that trigger man position, I know he's saying he's getting more comfortable, but I'm watching either he slapped the slap shots either way off target or he's burying it into the crest of the goalie. Um, he is the trigger man on our first power play unit and he has zero goals this year. What does it tell you? He should not be the trigger man on the power play. That being said, we are producing there on the power play. So again, I try to take everything with a grain of salt. We're producing on the power play. That being said, the trigger man on the power play has not been producing the goals category. So, you know. Zero goals. Not, not he's Zero goals the whole year. And here's the thing. Why don't our defensemen score? Because they don't activate. They don't uh, get activated into the offense. Devon Taves did when he was there. But none of the other guys do. Maybe Dobson a little bit. Sometimes Letty. But that's it. Nobody else even tries to rush up the puck. Nobody. I mean, that's where we really miss Devon Taves is, is in that spot right there because he was definitely a guy who advanced the puck and was not afraid to rush it and take shots on goal. Uh, here it is. I'm glad Tommy chimed in also saying, again, Martin would be a 300 grand cap hit uh, if they placed him on waivers. So, again, if he clears waivers, I knew there was some nuance about it. If he clears waivers, that's how he's a cheaper buyout or something like that, Grumpy, I believe. Um, I'm not sure the exact nuances of it, but I, I believe he is short. It's like a, it's less of a cap hit if you were to go ahead and place him on waivers and then to go ahead and waive him. Okay. Again, 
I'm not sure, grumpy old man. I looked it up. I wasn't necessarily seeing anything with an exact breakdown. Again, I just have heard that that was the intention, that the first two years he would probably be here for sure, and then three and four, the third and fourth year, not so much, grumpy old man. Uh, <laughs> David also saying, grump, will Bulldog be an Islander before 2030? That will make him 30 years old, yes. <laughs> he will be over a magical 20. He will be out of his 20s, so yes. <laughs> Um, and then David also saying, I would not resign Casey for more than $2.5 million a year. I wouldn't resign him at all. I would not resign him at all. You can use those funds somewhere else. You're going to need money this offseason. Why would you why would you sign Casey Zizekas back? He's a fourth line center who's giving you diminishing returns now. He's gonna be 30. He has an injury history. He had one year when he scored 20. I don't think he scored more than 10 any other season. Why would you put him – why would you even make him a priority? I, I, I put it like this. I don't mind if they were to sign back Casey Zizekas, but, again, it's got to be one of those shorter-term contracts. I cannot see a four-year contract going to the way of Casey Zizekas, a guy who has that injury-prone history. It's got to be a shorter-term contract. And you know, two and a half, that's okay. But, again, the longer the contract is, the less the cap hit has to be. He's a guy who's injury-prone, that's right. But I will tell you, Grump, I do like having stability, though, out of our center lines. And the same token, though, what does that do for the chances of a guy like Otto Koivla? I mean, you've said that, hey, we want you to be the center. We've moved you from you know a wing position two years ago to center, and we're keeping you there. We're still having you play the center role at Bridgeport. What does that do for a guy like Otto Koivla? You're just saying, hey, no, no bother applying until you're 26, 27 years old. Well, you just hit the nail right on the head, right? When you keep on signing aging veterans to long to, to extensions, you're not giving your young players a chance to step up. That's the problem with this team. We have too many old guys on it. We never give the young guys a shot. <clears throat> I mean, and then you're going to continue that same process. We've done it every year Lamarola has been here. The only guy that he's ever moved has been Devon Taves. I mean – why? Because you keep on signing older guys for long-term deals. And you want to make the same mistake you made with Martin last year. Now you want to make it with Sezekis this coming year? Why? That line is finished. It's done. Dead. Buried. Move on from that line. Grumpy old man. Definitely strong words here, Grumpy. Um, time else is saying, yeah, Johnson does have a pretty good shot. I do agree. Johnson does have a good shot. Shockingly enough, Johnson can put the puck on that. He's got a pretty decent shot, too. When he's in the offensive zone, nobody goes after him. They he also wins all, the wins all the battles along the boards, too, if you ever notice that. Very rarely will he ever go into a board battle and lose the puck or he won't be able to, you know, to um, depossess the, the opposing member. You don't see other teams go after him when he has the puck. You don't see it because they're scared of him. That's his rep. That's why he should play. I mean, work on him instead of turning him into another grinder who just up and down the wing, you know, don't hit anybody, all the stuff they like to preach. They should work with him on creating some offensive ability. Let's see if you can make that pass uh, from, the, from, the back, from the back wall. Those are the types of things they should work in because they need offense so bad. You can make him into a serviceable, serviceable offensive player. You can. I'm not saying he's going to be a goal scorer, but – He's a guy I'd love in front of the net. Have him work on tips. I mean, he's got to be just as good as averages. <laughs> uh, Dave Perr also saying, does Grumpy have his tickets for when they start allowing fans back in the arena? Grumpy, do you have any tickets? 
You plan on no. going to any games this year once they start allowing fans back in the arena, Grumpy? No. No. Oh, okay, Grumpy. Not even if we make the Stanley Cup Finals. If we made the Stanley Cup Finals, I'd consider it. <laughs> Trying to mean I, mug it over there and play it cool, Grumpy. I should get I should get a luxury they should they should provide me with a luxury box if that's the case. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Uh Scott also echoing if they resign Casey, Otto Koivel will never see the light of day for the Islanders. I mean, like I said, how old's Otto Otto Koivel now? 23, 24? Is are you ever going to get a shot? I mean, we don't want to give a guy a shot. Well, he technically did get a nine or ten game try. I don't remember. He played a few games last season, grumpy old man. But you're right. Again, like he, I've never been a big fan of signing back Casey unless it's to a shorter term deal. I'm getting like a one year deal or even a two year deal as long as it's not going to consume too much cap. I'm fine with that. Um, Brian B saying uh, you play a few years for the team. You're everybody's best friend. You don't sign Casey back. You don't sign Casey again. It's the beer club. Men- it's like the, the uh, you know, like the beer league mentality that we have on this team. I just noticed. I think I butchered the reading. I want to read it again, Grumpy, because I think this is intentionally it rhymes. Uh, you play a few years for the team. You're everyone's friend. You don't side Casey again. So technically, it does. It's got a little uh, a little rhyme to it, Grumpy old man. Okay, but you don't sign Casey Zeke's back because he's going to be on the wrong side of thirty. You're going to get nothing but diminishing returns for him. It means that you're not going to have a chance to move any young guys up, right? I mean, look at how many guys are on long-term deals on this roster. Think about it, right? If you keep on having all these guys, you asked me earlier in the year who has the most to prove, and I said nobody because no one's going to get a shot. And, I mean, I've been proven right this year, right? I mean, you never see any movement on the team. Never. Lee, Bailey, Nelson, Everly. I mean, they're all the same guy. They're all long-term deals. They're all top six guys who don't produce top six numbers, but you're locked into them for years and years and years. I mean, you got to move some of these guys to get some fresh blood up there. And Robert W. saying, whose place do you think Bellos will eventually replace or will we trade him? Well, it's pretty obvious now we're not going to protect them in the expansion draft, and I certainly would have. Um, I mean, I'll be interested to see who they do protect in the expansion draft. To me, he could do just as well as Michael Del Cole is, but he certainly has a better shot and is a better offensive player on the second line. He got one game on the second line, one game, and then boom, you're done. And again, I always think it's worth noting that in the third or whatever game it was, he played one game on a third line with Jean Gabriel Pajot and Oliver Wallstrom. And coach said they did really great. They'd had a good game. They played well together. They gelled. And we never saw that line again. And that's when Leo Comros stepped in the lineup and never to be removed. Uh, grumpy old man. Um, we also have a comment here from Ted. Uh, ten, Ted M saying, How about Sorokin's season so far? I'll tell you one thing. Uh, Sorokin has, I think he's starting to gain a little bit more comfortability back there in the net, uh, grumpy old man. And I'll tell you, uh, he needs to start getting some more ice time. And again, as you mentioned earlier, if not with the Islanders, maybe in the A, he needs to start playing more consistent basis. And they're even considering that, right? Moving him to the A, Lou did consult me with that. And I told him, Lou, come on, wake up, son. I mean, you, you're not going to play the kid on the big team. You got to put him in the Myers. The kid's got to play. Um, how the season gone so far? I started off rocky, but he's gotten better every single game, uh, and that's what you want to see. 
You don't want to see a guy start well and then crater. You want to see that nice development, and that's what you're seeing from him. So, so far, even though he's only played four games on the season, I'm happy with what we've seen. Mm-hmm. And David Cutler also saying here, will Sarnak ever get back in the lineup? Grumpy liked his game. He should be playing on the fourth line too. Get rid of some of those ham and eggers that they got playing down there. Casey, yes, okay. Martin would never play for me. I- I'm sorry. And uh, he certainly has more offensive acumen than Del Cole does. I mean, he could be on the second line. My gosh, he played one game and he was on the first team power play unit. Uh, you know, what does that tell you about the state of our offensive uh, production this year? But why not? You signed him. He was like one of your big signings this year, right? Why not give this kid a shot to play? I can't remember if they traded for him or signed him. Well, I know they definitely traded for Timisoff. I mean, again, it was so long ago in the offseason. Um, long story short, they brought him in via an acquisition, whether it be a free agency or trade. I cannot remember Grumpy Old Man. It feels like eons ago it happened. Do you remember how tough it was for you to remember Timishov's name? And you remember the reason I said, because I don't think he's good enough to even warrant me remembering it. I saw him play one game. I'm like, this kid sucks. And he hasn't been there. He's timid shop is what his name should be. He was terrible. He was just terrible out there. He just he looked he looked like a little boy on the ice, just standing around. He was terrible. Timid Shaw. Oh, Grumpy. Now you got another endearing nickname for another member of the Islanders organization. Timid Shaw. Get better. You don't want to have a nickname, get better. That's how you get the nicknames. When you suck, you get a nickname. <laughs> Oh, goodness gracious. Um, and here we go, Tommy, also saying, Islanders would likely trade Bellos before the expansion draft if they do not plan on protecting him. That's a good point. And you don't want to lose him there for nothing, especially if you think he does have any type of value. But I really wonder what type of value Kiefer Bellos does have. A guy who can't even crack the lineup now. I mean, like you're trying to tell me in our team that is lackluster in offensive ability, he can't find a way to crack like a top nine forward spot. How is he going to play in the top nine when you have all these guys signed to long-term extension to long-term deals? There are no spots open, and it's not because they're not as talented. It's the fact that they don't have the financial flexibility to get rid of them and to let somebody else play. That's the, It's not a meritocracy on this team. It's like, okay, you're old. You've been here forever. We're just going to continue rolling with you. We're going to keep on giving you contracts. And there's nowhere for the young players to play. There's nowhere for any other players to play unless you move some guys out. I mean, it just is what it is, right? I mean, hmm. Broussard leaves. Pajot takes his spot. Who has doesn't have a guaranteed spot on this team when everybody's healthy? Think well, about Broussard leaves, and I'll say Wallstrom took his spot. Broussard played the right wing spot. Okay, but who doesn't have a guaranteed spot on this team? Think about it. Think about there's only a couple of players that don't have a guaranteed spot on this team. Michael Del Cole doesn't have a guaranteed spot. Oliver Wallstrom doesn't have a guaranteed spot. Pretty much everybody else, I feel like that's it. Okay. It is what it is. And what's the one thing about them that they're different than everybody else? They're young guys. Everybody else is a veteran, with the exception of Barzal and Bavillier. Everybody else is close to 30 years old, and they have guaranteed spots on this in this lineup every single night. I mean, you want to know why we don't get better? You want to know why we're limited? It's because we never change anything. It's it's for, for me as a fan, it's frustrating when you don't give the young guys a shot because you know that – here's the thing. If they're not good enough to make this team that doesn't score at all, you should fire scouts. 
Grumpy old man. I'll tell you. Again, I think our scouts do a superb job in analyzing and identifying good young defensive talent. We can't, you know, again, to be fair and honest, they do a great job on the defensive side of the puck. I think that's true, grumpy old man. Then you know what? Hire some scouts who are able to look at offensive players. There are ways around that. You know, there are solutions to your problems. When you're picking Simon Holmstrom, Casper the Ghost, you're picking him over Tomasino, Kaliev, and McMichael. Well, guess what? You've just made a mistake as a scouting staff. Hmm. Grumpy old man. Uh, we got here uh, Ted, and I'm not even going to bother responding back to that, Grumpy. I've already fought you once off the bingo card. Uh, Ted also saying any salary dump opportunities at the expansion draft, the only way is if you go ahead and give. You know, you say, hey, you have to go ahead and take XYZ player off our team and we'll give you a first or a second round pick or whatever type of draft capital you have to surrender in order to make them take a bad contract after team. Other than that, not really. You can do that. But the other way to do it is only expose older players. To me, I would expose Anders Lee. I'd expose Jordan Eberle. I'd expose Josh Bailey. I'd expose Nicoletti. They all bring something that an expansion team needs. Josh Bailey would bring, I don't know, uh, uh, leadership maybe in his own way. Josh Bailey brings but, leadership. I think again, he's a true. He's professional. a solid citizen. He's a solid citizen. He's a good. He's a good team player. Expansion teams need that. I mean, I think he'd fit in well on an expansion team. Or Anders Lee, he could be your captain and he could score some goals. And then you got Nick Letty. Okay, he's on the downside, but still he give you a solid defensive presence. Uh, those are the type of guys, and Everly could also bring you goals. Those guys are all making over $5 million a year. You have to expose somebody. I would not expose the young guys. Those are the guys, if I'm Seattle, those are, if I'm the Kraken, those would be the type of guys that I'd pick. I'd pick a Scott Mayfield, even though I don't think he's had a good year this year. He's so cheap. That's the type of guy that you want on your team. I mean, you know, or a bellows, some guy, a young guy with upside who doesn't make a whole lot of money. Those are the type of guys you want. So you can invest in free agency. You're going to have money. You want to kind of get rid of your old guys to help you out. Keep the younger guys. Uh, grumpy old man here. Uh, <laughs> Scott also saying no phone call tonight, Grumpy. I guess Lou has nothing to discuss with you tonight. Nothing to discuss because he's rolling. The team is starting to do well now. So he's like, okay. I don't need the wisdom of the grumpy old man. If I would have listened to him earlier, we'd probably be on a 14-game point streak. But he didn't want to listen, so you get what you get. Tommy's saying, oh, Tommy's saying that Lou's got grumpy on the block is what it is. <laughs> In his dreams. Uh, yeah, and Tommy's also saying, I have to disagree. Uh, we have gotten better, went from no playoffs to the second round to the third round of the playoffs. Um, I'll put it like this. I think what we've seen, the increase there of our postseason production, I, I've always said it, last year was the most ideal scenario the Islanders could have ever had in the playoffs. I, I, I really think it's going to be hard to recreate that without yeah. a, a change again. Like I think that last year we had no injuries going into the playoffs. Just Again, like some teams did have injuries. We had no injuries. Our team usually comes well out of the gate as well. I know this year we didn't have a, heart, a hot start, but usually we have pretty hot starts when we resume play. And that bubble was perfect for the Islanders organization. The team is so tight-knit, and we feed off of our, our camaraderie and the unity where other teams don't have the same exact – 
stick-to-itiveness and uh, team unity that we have. I thought that was the, the ideal scenario for the Islanders to win the Stanley Couples last year. Yeah, I mean, that's as, that's as good as this team could have ever expected to go. We were never beating Tampa Bay. I mean, they dominated us, honestly. And they were a better team. Uh, that said, what people seem to forget is if we had continued to play the regular season, probably we're not even going to make the playoffs. And then everybody would be talking a little bit differently because, I mean, we were certainly spiraling out. I believe we were on a seven-game losing streak when uh, when we went into the bubble. And that really helped us. It let all of our guys, all of our older guys, get healthy, get that second wind. And the fact that Trot's system, particularly for these players, is conducive to coming out and performing well in that way. I mean, are we a bad team? No. Are we going to get any better? Are we going to win the Stanley Cup this year? No. I mean, we've kind of reached the ceiling with this team. And unless changes are made, all you're going to do is go down from here on out. Again, like maybe again, goaltending. Maybe again, I think Varlamov played well and admirably, especially early on in the playoffs. At times, you know, he, he was a little pedestrian and mediocre. Um, again, he's been off to a hot start this season, so that's always promising. Um, Tommy also saying Mayfield will be protected because of his cheap contract. We've mentioned that before, um, and again, like Mayfield, I don't think gels well with Nick Letty. Um, it shows you how important Devon Taves was. And how good of a defender Devon Taves was, where he was able to pick up the slack that that Mayfield does have. But again, he's he's a cost certain, cheap defenseman that is tied, for, and he's got cap certainty and he's got term certainty as well. And he's cheap for a top six defenseman on a team that's defensive oriented. You want to keep guys like that. That's what they should do. Will they do it? You remember they have a love for Nick Letty for whatever reason. They love Nick Letty. I'm afraid they're going to protect Letty and expose Mayfield. And then if I'm the Kraken. I would snatch up uh, Scott Mayfield. You get a guy who's a top four defenseman making one and a half, not even one and a half million dollars a year for the next two years. That's a steal for them. See, that's why you have to be smart. And that's why I think we're going to find out about Lamarillo, what he's got, you know, if he's uh, still got enough lead in the pencil to get the job done at the end of this season. Yeah, Grumpy. Uh, Brian P. saying bubble was preseason tournament. Absolutely agree, TJ. And he's also saying here goaltending defense is fine. Uh, we're not good enough offensively, period, for certain. I'm just talking about what could change based off of the roster we have now. I, I don't see us making a huge trade to increase the offensive acumen on this team. I just don't see it. Um, I would be shocked and pleasantly surprised if something like that were to happen. They're happy to win games 2-1, to one, one nothing. Uh, eventually that wears you out though, particularly in a shortened season. And we're old, we're an old team. I mean, I, I hate to keep on beating that horse, but it doesn't change. We get older every day. <laughs> well, grumpy, everybody gets older every day. Uh, David Cutler, this is the reason I was laughing. Grumpy says, grump, will you be dropping the puck for the season opener at UBS? A true man of the people. I'm going to be dropped <laughs> out of the, right on the top of the, uh, the scoreboard. <laughs> and Scott also saying Grumpy is the people's champ. Uh, Tommy saying the only way to protect Letty is if they protect four defensemen in five forwards. Yeah, I mean, honestly, there's only some guys, certain guys, and we'll get into it as we get close to you know, the end of the season, but they're not going to protect four. They're going to protect the nine skaters or ten skaters, whatever it is, ten skaters and a goalie. So they're going to, or maybe, no, it's nine skaters. So it's either eight skaters overall or nine 
if you only protect three defensemen. If you protect four forwards, you can only four defensemen, you can only protect four forwards. They're gonna go with the six and three or whatever they're gonna do. That's what they'll do. Well, Grumpy, we are right at two, right around two hours. Grumpy old man, we're going to wrap things up here for the live stream. We're going to be back live again Saturday after the Pittsburgh Penguins game. Grumpy old man. Uh, real quick, predictions here for the next two games, Grumpy, against the Pittsburgh Penguins. How many points do you have us coming out with? Three. Okay. I'm saying two, Grumpy. Uh, but thank you so much for being a part of the podcast, Grump. Thank you. I'm a little bit disappointed that you're not rooting harder for the Islanders, honestly. <laughs> I just think we're going to win one in regulation, lose one in regulation. Uh, that being said, thank you so much, guys, for being a part of the live stream. We love being able to go ahead and and, uh, and have everybody join in who listens to the podcast and the live stream on a consistent basis. Thank you so much for participating, guys. Uh, Grumpy old man and I love that. Absolutely. All righty. Thank you again, Grumpy. Thank you.